0: To the Pipeline, all things CD and DevOps podcast by the CD Foundation. I am your host, Jacqueline Salinas, Director of Ecosystem and Community Development. Thank you so much for joining me. It is episode 33 of season two. And my guest is Spiridon Maniotis from Danks Bank. Today's main topic is site reliability engineering adoptions, setting up the fundamentals. But before we dive into our main topic, we are going to ask Spiridon to talk to us about his DevOps journey. Can you tell us about your DevOps journey? How did you get started in this industry and how did you get to where you're at?
1: Absolutely. So basically, I started working in, uh, in IT back in 2010. And us, all of us, we were more or less doing something close to DevOps. Uh, it was not that mainstream, though, uh, back in the day. Um, so I was working with monitoring. I was working with software engineering, test automation and, and everything. When it really became official, to put it that way, that was back in 2016 or end of 2015 before Christmas. It happened at the bank that I used to to work at to have an audit by our main uh, regulatory supervisory body. And their findings were a lot around DevOps principles. And at the same time, DevOps was becoming mainstream, primarily at the other side of the Atlantic. And my bosses wanted to, to further investigate it. So basically, I was proposed to join the regulatory program to address a lot of the findings around our software development lifecycle. And at the same time, we had an open position for a head uh, to establish what we used to call back in the day engineering tools. Now it's called CSD pipeline. Um, And I did start in the regulatory program. At the same time, I did apply for for that head position of of, uh, engineering tools, as it was called. And I got the position and then actually I had a, a dual role. On, on the one hand, it was to advance and make more reliable and secure the software development life cycle of the bank. And obviously not alone with hundreds of people involved. Uh, and at the same time, I was working for the markets business area uh, at that time at the bank. It was to establish the first continuous integration and delivery uh, pipeline uh, for the firm. Um, And that started with basic things like um, like source code repos and artifact repos and version control, build tools, deployment tools, observability tools that over the years grew into something that we were very proud of and something that we were calling complete. Um, At the same time, due to organizational changes, uh, we were building a brand new application operations team and taking my experience and rather successful journey on, on devils being humble uh, with the firm uh, i was also uh, it happened it's a little bit of coincidences actually which is makes it really funny my journey google published in june 2016 the first site really engineering book and then it happened that it came on our hands and we started reading it and they told me mate you've done a lot around DevOps. since you want to come into the application operations area bringing your own responsibilities and set up an, an sre team as well And then basically, there is when I got more into the operations engineering bit of it. Um, And at the end of this year, I can say gladly that I have my six years anniversary doing only DevOps in different shapes and forms. and, And now, primarily, having the awareness, experience, and knowledge of the past, focusing on 360 degrees adoption, looking into what around the capabilities on an enterprise level.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Um, That's very exciting, and congratulations on your six-year anniversary of of working in the industry. Um, Today's main topic is going to be site reliability engineering adoptions, setting up the fundamentals. So let's dive right into our topic um, so, aren't there DevOps and SRE concepts that conflict?
1: Yeah, actually, it's a, a, a great debate. It's, to some extent, in some cases, it's a war of, of religion. In my humble opinion, having worked with both concepts, site reliability engineering is the way of implementing DevOps. Um, how Google labels it is their flavor on IT service management. Uh, focusing more on engineering and shifting practices left in the SDLC, opposed to the traditional IT service management methods like ITIL, the IT infrastructure library, um, that primarily focuses on the process governance. So in my opinion, an SRE is just a flavor of doing DevOps. You can do it in in many different ways. The concepts are not conflictual. Uh, Getting the best out of the two, you can just create a, a great hybrid um, concept and for people that have really spent time to reconcile the two it's, it's very intuitive actually it's, it's pretty exciting how the one can can come and kind of fit the other uh, in my opinion in the way that uh, I've, I've worked with it as i said sr is a way of doing it sr is a little bit more um how can i say it? i call it special forces for some reason not sure if i'm passing the message of one but it's really for areas that they need a, a, a great investment on reliability and where volatility of, of, of the markets in which the and latency is extremely important. So practically looking into an organization, you can say that you can shift on enterprise DevOps adoption while SRV is gonna be a more tactical adoption in, in flagship uh, business areas, applications and platforms. So without making it very lengthy, no, in my opinion, they don't come into conflict. They, 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 they complete a, a broader puzzle of how you can make organizations more effective, automated, reliable, and secure when delivering and running software.
0: Absolutely. So what are some of the main challenges organizations face when they are adopting SRE practices?
1: Or I think the, the main one I've seen is that they don't understand or they pretend they don't understand what it is about. Um, I'm going to cover that in, in, in one of the future conferences on the topic I'm going to present on anti patterns about SRB. In, in most of the cases, I've seen people interpreting SRB as automation of operational tasks. Um, and this is only one of the aspects of, of SRB. This is falling under the 50% of operations uh, that Google proposes to, to spend your, your time on. And, and primarily, I think they do it because they do lack awareness of the concept. It's a little bit, it is, uh, uh, Google says that SRE is not just a, a yet another concept, it's a combination of engineering and science. And it's, it's quite true, actually. You need to really know engineering in order to understand the real uh, value and the value proposition of site reliability engineering. So one of the main challenges is this misperception. And then basically if you start with a misperception and instead of building a reliability engineering team that's sits left in the SDLC, you hire automation people that automate manual processes. Then is it really SRE or is it just automation? Um, so this is one of them. The challenge is the second one that I've seen is that people is the typical thing people try to run before they can even crawl and Organizations that don't have an agile uh, software development foundation, organizations that haven't implemented ITIL in a pragmatic and effective way. Organizations that are still in early steps of DevOps trying to also implement site reliability as they make a a, a mixture of concepts that eventually is not going to pay off. And this is natural. SRE, in my opinion, in order to, to pay off, needs to to be based on the on the solid uh, agile software development lifecycle and some very solid foundations of, of DevOps practices um, being implemented. And and the third one, which is uh, unfortunately a headache that all of us we have in the industry and we're gonna have forever, it's pretty difficult to scale SRE on an enterprise level. In my opinion, actually, is no needed. Uh, at least in the industry I'm, I'm working on. I'm working in the finance service industry. It's pretty difficult to scale because um, talent is, is, is not widely available out there. Um, so people try to embed the sort of practices in an anarchical way across the whole organization. Then they realize we don't have enough people. They, they see people leaving because they don't like the circumstances of, of the SRE implementation happening in a pragmatic way. Um, and then I've seen people or fear of people classifying the concept as a failure simply because they can't make it work.
0: Understood. Yeah. So, you know, in your opinion, why is it important to establish these solid uh, fundamentals from an early days of your SRE adoption?
1: Uh, it's actually very important for many different reasons. Uh, first of all, is is really important as Google calls the tenants. Um it's very important and intended in, in Google Cisterna stands for a common set of responsibilities. And uh, underlining what are the responsibilities of the SRE teams helps you in many ways. It helps you to build your business case. It helps you to do your staffing. It helps you to do incubation. Uh, sell the value proposition to your business partners. They need to be part of it, especially in, in cases that people radically need to readjust their organizer principles. How they deploy software, how they the run software, who has access to what, um, what what's the prioritization process for non-functional requirements and, and so on. Um and also you need some fundamentals in order to, to grasp the efficiencies of it. For example, if you don't have a CST pipeline in place, uh, and if you don't have the basics of observability, then it's very difficult to have a jump start on SRV because you're lacking those fundamentals. Uh, without the CICD pipeline, you cannot have CICD controls that SRE will be interested in. Without having basic monitoring, you cannot get into monitor SLAs, SLIs, SLOs, and the robots that SRE will be very interested in. Also, it's very important to prepare a little bit the ground, prepare the culture. And I can I can reveal that story. It's a success story, actually. That's, that's, that's why I think I, I can reveal it from one of my ex-employees. When we did set up the first SRE team, uh, we did it behind the, the scenes, and, and that was sponsored by our CIO back in the day. reason for that is he didn't want that to make a lot of noise, and he was understanding that prerequisites like the default adoption and idle implementation should, should be in place in advance, and we were doing things in parallel. Um, so it's, it's very important to some of the fundamentals to, to build them Without really making a lot of noise and prepare the ground mentally of people so they can then sell the success and, and also uh, support on cascading it and, and others to, to to buy in.
0: Cool. So, have you discovered common anti patterns on organizations adopting uh, many, SRE?
1: Many, and I still do actually. I, I, I can tell you one of the most profound and, and, and repeatable ones. Um, the, the first one is that, as I said, people label it as automation. Uh, site Reliability Engineering, and this is, this is where it's it's not that difficult, and I hope I don't sound arrogant, but SRE stands for Site Reliability Engineering. If you read it backwards, it's engineering the reliability of a service. So your starting point should be reliability mode automation. Uh, And then many areas, they hire automation people or they uplift the skills of the operations people. They have to be able to automate things. And eventually what they do is they make operations a little bit more efficient without shifting left, without addressing technical debt, without addressing reliability, without being extra conscious of of non-factual requirements, uh, having zero controls in place. And they end up by becoming a little bit more effective on handling operations without improving the reliability of the services uh, in uh, in a profound way. Uh, a second one is, that, as I said, people don't change the culture at all. So setting up an SAP team and and give them no mandate because, in my opinion, the SAP team is the gatekeeper of the production environment, giving them no mandate and um, um, not allow them to say no, not to glue them into your scrum backlog planning meetings into UPI plans, if you do save, and so on. Having them never have a saying about prioritizing non-functional requirements, um, it also shows that you more do it for the sake of doing it, and as I say, to put it on your LinkedIn profile rather than doing a, a, a very profound and game-changing science engineering adoption. Um, that, that is the second one. Uh, definitely a third one is to shift it right in the SDLC, uh, again, people adopt a SRE in the traditional DevOps model. They have people doing development, people doing operations. They rebrand the operations beta's as SRE. But then these people, primarily what they do is incident problem change management, business continuity, recovering services in production, little bit of automation, as I mentioned, but they're not shifting left. So they have nothing to do with the CSD pipeline. They have nothing to do with prioritization of non functional requirements. They are not looking into application security aspects. They haven't been involved at all of building the environments and provision infrastructure. So basically they get everything pre-made from developers and ideally they deploy it to production. In some cases, they don't. it's not even them, it's developers and they don't have awareness. Um, so I would say these are the, the three main ones and of, of course there are many, many more ones. The uh, last one to, to add and also to emphasize and, and go back to the to the question whether SME and DevOps are confidential or not Um, Another anti-pattern is that people don't spend time to reconcile it with the devil's adoption. Um, And one one thing, at least in the industry are working, it's can become, as any other industry, right? A little bit political. When you want to introduce a a new concept, you have to tactically adopt it to your current operating model. Otherwise, it's going to be perceived as something that is a threat to people. And threat in this case means that if something is coming very radical and people hear Google does that, It requires in-depth engineering skills and knowledge. People might be even threatened that they're going to lose their job because they don't have the skills to adapt to this concept. So, organizations need to find a very smooth way on embedding a into their DevOps or IT service management or agile practices they, they already have in place.
0: Understood. Thank you so much for for diving into that with me. So, what are some of the main lessons you've learned so far in the six years you've been in the industry?
1: The main one of the of the main lessons learned I've learned one is to. As I said, I uh, agree on the tenets. So basically, agree on the responsibilities. What will be the job of the SRE team? Uh, and not only when they do operations, but also when they do improvements. It's very important to, to clarify what is their responsibilities when doing ops, what is their authority when doing ops, but then how, how much do they shift to the left of the software development lifecycle and what are the responsibilities on, on that end. Second is to be as prescriptive as possible. Of course, being pragmatic, being mindful on the solutions that the SRE teams use. Google is proposing that SRE needs to to use prescriptive solutions. So stuff around your SDLC controls, your observability framework, permissions and data access management, not only on servers and databases, but to, to data, to the business logic of the application, to CSD pipelines, it's very important to typify all these things. Uh, and that will help you on scaling fast. That will help you on uh, economies of scale. While you do scale, it will have mobility between the SRA teams. And, uh, in the long run, is also going to uh, reduce technical debt as, as you move on. Um, as I said, very important to embed it in your DevOps adoption. I've heard stories of DevOps and SRE being conflictual within the same organization. Some teams calling themselves DevOps, some calling themselves SRE. In reality, it was just a naming difference, nothing more. Um, and then, as, a, as I said, that tactic we used back in the day uh, that if if you think it's going to be considered radical by organization and you want to have a smooth uh, introduction of it, do it as much behind the scenes as possible. Doing in areas that they have a heavy regulatory impact or client impact, because there is where reliability primarily matters, and, and proving that you add value to your regulator and the society. Uh, you don't need more than that, actually. You have everyone happy. So being a little bit tactical on where you start and, and just introduce it very smoothly. Now, there are many, many, many other lessons learned, and some are about in the sphere of what I call toxic and, and backed up by um, internal politics in companies. And... Like in some cases, intentionally, the SRE team will never get authority or stop and releases to production because that's not the culture of the company and they will never change. It's the product owner deciding no matter what. Then it's this same SRE team that cannot say no and will stay till one o'clock in the morning restoring services uh, in production. That's, that goes a little bit on the storyline of, of, of what are potential SRE stories that you've got to discover when you adopt.
0: Got it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Is there any other best practices that you would recommend for leaders of SRE teams or SREs themselves?
1: Uh, well, actually, I will uh, I will recommend to really deep dive into the essence of the concept. Uh, don't try to oversimplify it in order to make it look easy. Uh, that's definitely one thing. And then to very, very important mentioned several times, Ensure that it's not coming into conflict with the DevOps adoption. Try reconcile both of them, make the one fit on the other, and they can just work greatly together.
0: Hey, okay. well, thank you so much for joining us um, uh, this for episode 33 of The Pipeline. Thank you very much. G.